right, Justin, I need you to sing the Fast and Furious theme song. Uh, do they have one? Is it the Luda song? Too fast, too furious. Blah, 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 lyrics. I don't remember it. <laughs> I they guess do have would, a lot of songs, so I guess that works. I mean, I would say it's that or whatever that Wiz Khalifa song was at the end of Seven. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. The you See You that, Again song? Yeah, that Paul Walker's Dead song. <laughs> oh, my. Too soon. It's too soon for that. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. That's what that song was. I yes, mean, I am a, a huge, that was I am a huge Paul Walker fanboy as long as it's in one of these movies. Oh, yeah. Well, he also does play a good douchebag teenager, like in, uh, She's All That or uh, Skulls. Yeah, that's true. He does. Out of those two things. Yeah, he was kind of whatever. But those were the main things he did. So, well, I mean, other than that, he was just kind of beefcake boy. Yeah. And he did that movie that it came out after he died, but it was like him doing a bunch of parkour and shit. I always meant to watch that movie. I just never did. I think it's called like Red Brick or something like that. Oh, I about that. Yeah. He also Where did he that was... Running with Scissors movie or whatever that's called. Running Scared. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm thinking of a different movie. Running Scared, yeah. Running Scared's say, not good. Oh, he's in Running with Scissors? I was like, I was so confused. <laughs> that was my bad. <laughs> how did I miss him? I was about to go, how did I miss him in that? Okay. <laughs> but, man, I haven't seen any of those other movies you guys are talking about though with him you're not you're not missing anything with running scared you're not oh. just kind of picture any movie that liam neeson's in nowadays or that mill gibson was doing right before he decided to be gigantically anti-semitic and racist and just think of that but with paul walker <laughs> gotcha and you, you kind of got it <laughs> okay you know it's it's got like Russian criminals doing Russian criminal shit, you know, and that's, yeah, that's really about it. That really sums up that movie. Russian criminals are doing some Russian criminal shit and Paul Walker's there. There's a really stupid scene about how a Russian, this Russian guy who it's that standard Russian guy, that guy that's a Russian guy and everything. He was the Russian guy in Armageddon. He was the Russian guy in. he was one of the nihilists in Big Lebowski. Uh, he played one of the Russian guys in John Wick 2. The one that he comes to that deal with him at the very beginning of the movie for his car. That Russian guy. Yeah. 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 He goes off on this gigantic spiel about how he's Russian and loves John Wayne. So, you know, there's that. True. I did forget about that. I didn't because it's one of the stupidest fucking things that's ever been filmed. I mean, anytime anybody waxes poetic about how much they love John Wayne, I'm going to remember it because I'm going to remember it as something stupid. That's a really weird way to start this episode, bringing up how much I hate John Wayne. Who was that? Who was that guy on your uh, on, on the Facebook that was saying that I don't like anything? Zach, somebody. Yes. Yeah, my friend, good friend of mine, Zach. I used to uh, manage him uh, back. We both worked at a call center. But yeah, he was like, does Sterling like anything? And I, I, I laughed. <laughs> I popped. I, I like things. I don't, I don't know why people. Why is it that nobody listens to the episodes where I like things? Go listen to those episodes, people. It does happen. I do like things. Maybe we should start prefacing, by the way, Sterling did not like this one. By the way, Sterling did like this one so that they know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that you you do like things, but you enjoy talking shit about movies more than you do complimenting <laughs> them. So I think that no, that shines I disagree. I really I really enjoyed talking about Rocket Man and Book Smart and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and even Crawl. When we talked about Crawl, 
I enjoy talking screen. about how good that movie was. I know you do, but think about all of your rants, man. Think about all of those long 30, 40 minute, 25 minute rants <laughs> where you were just talking about what you don't like about a movie. So I do think if I'm an audience member and I'm listening to these, I just think that, you know, you're, 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 you're mostly on your game on the dislikes. You know, and most of the time when we're on these, you're like, oh, uh, this is what I've been waiting on. Y'all right. Let's get to the dislikes. And there <laughs> are a lot of episodes where you will be like, OK, you'll even go last. It's almost like you don't even really want to talk about the likes because you always go last. And then you'll go, all right, I just got a couple of things. Y'all said everything else. OK, y'all ready for these dislikes? And I can just feel <laughs> your eyes bulging whenever you say that. Like, I can just feel it. <laughs> I think you're the first person that's ever said my eyes bulge. I'm notoriously known for having squinty as fuck eyes that don't bulge ever. Then you start blinking profusely like, are you guys ready for the for the disrobes? It's almost like you come alive when you say that you can't wait to get to them. So I don't know. I think that does come across when people listen to us. I was thinking about renaming the dislike section to the Sterling Memorial section. I know I'm still alive, but... <laughs> Which tells you how much you do like the dislike section. <laughs> I mean, Vince Lombardi was known for winning championships, so they named the NFL championship trophy after him. I'm just saying, if there was a Vince Lombardi for the dislike section, it'd be me. But, I mean, I might, I might actually name it... Uh, Whatever Zach's last name is. I'll look it up later. Sorry, Zach. I just don't remember your last name. Zach Clay. <laughs> okay. So I might even start calling it the Zach Clay section. <laughs> just because he pointed out that it's time to get our Zach Clays on. See, now it sounds like I'm saying I dislike Zach Clay. I've got no issues with Zach Clay. <laughs> exactly. So you can't say that. <laughs> you can't do that either. That's that. No, don't do that. But please but if, make sure he listens to this, Justin. Let, <laughs> let him listen to this, please. <laughs> I'll let him know about this one. No, he always listens to us, man. He's like one of our kind of faithful listeners. Like he he always listens to us. But he and he's thanks, a good Zach. Dude. And he's a good dude. But. but uh, you, I don't know, man, I, but I think he's got a point, man. Like you just tend to lean towards the negative or at least it feels like you like talking about it more. At least that's how it comes across, man. I think that's how it comes across. And you're also, you're also not afraid to go in on a movie. Like I know for me yeah. personally, I will, I will kind of sidestep or I'll kind of like in a sense sugarcoat it just because I, I'm like, I understand that filmmaking is hard and all these things, but um, you are just totally for like, I'm going to be straight up and honest with you right now. And you're not afraid to do that. And I think that's why that's your section, you know? I mean, I guess the reason why I don't shy away from it in that regard of like, I understand the process of making a movie is very hard and stuff like that. But it's the same reason why fans of sports teams don't hold back with the same criticisms. Playing sports professionally is one of the hardest things you can do, regardless of what anybody says. Being a professional football player is difficult. I mean, when you look at the number of people that actually make it to the professional level, it's incredibly hard to do. And then let alone make a career out of it. It's even harder in basketball. Because there's even less people on those teams. Yep. And so when I look at it like that, I view it the same way. Like, 
nobody has a problem at all saying that professional athletes suck and they're garbage and all this other stuff. So I guess that's why I have no fear doing the same thing with movies. I just yeah. approach it the same way, especially because I am literally sitting here uh, playing armchair quarterback, if you will, when it comes to movies. So it's just way easy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just try to be as uh as fair as i can and just try to look at the movie for um what it is and you know if i have any background knowledge on it or anything like that then i'll try to uh, keep keep in mind that that aspect of my opinion also um but, but i don't know i just try to be as fair as possible i don't feel like i um i do think that when it when i really like something you're definitely going to know. But I, I feel like I, I come through, too, when I don't like something. I mean, like when we like like Venom, for instance, I thought I thought I was pretty good about talking about what I didn't like about that or glass or, you know, when I don't like something. I Midsummer. Think I can, yeah, I think I come across. I think it comes across that I when I don't like something. But I do think that my shining moments have been when I'm just talking positively about things. And I think for you, it's the opposite. You know, you just shine more in that section and that's fine. I don't think that's necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just who you are and who I am, you know, and I think it actually makes the podcast more interesting. Honestly, are you are you calling me a negative Nance? Basically. <laughs> OK, good. <laughs> He was going to be very worried if you weren't. A limey bastard. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> well, Zach, just wait till you hear my thoughts about this movie and tell me if I don't like stuff. I'm going to have some dislikes. I'm not going to lie. There's oh, yeah. definitely some you, dislikes. Yeah, you better. You better have some. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Thank you for listening to that behind the scenes breakdown of our thought processes when we review these movies. I hope you guys enjoyed that because that's all staying in. But once again, we are here to talk about a movie. We are going to be talking about The Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Jason Statham and Idris Elba because yeah, that's my boy. We are going to talk about what we liked and didn't like and everything in between. And I am joined by Heather and Justin, if you could not tell from our banter. And so we are going to start this off with the self-proclaimed Mr. I like to talk about what I like about movies. Justin, what'd you like about this one? All right. What did I like about Hobbs and Shaw? So um, just to give a little background, um, I'm not like what you would call, I guess, a huge fan of the Fast and Furious movies. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a big fan, but I do like them. Actually, here recently, I had to do a little bit of catching up before this movie came out, and I binged. Uh, I had seen one through four um, quite some time ago, um, and and honestly, I was done with this franchise after four. And people like and Sterling included in that, he was one of them. Kept telling me, "Hey, uh, that this series has made a turnaround. This series is better because they they added the Rock and they added all these other characters, and there's all these other things going on, and it found an identity. And you need to give this series uh, another chance." And I kept putting it off, and kept putting it off, and kept putting it off, and just and then this movie came out, and and I was interested. I wanted to see this. I wanted to kind of see how we arrived to this Hobbs and Shaw spinoff movie. So I watched 
um, all, all the rest of the Fast and Furious movies. I binged five, six, seven, and eight and enjoyed them. I, I really thought that they had improved the overall product and the story and the characters and things like that. I do feel like the series found an identity with kind of not taking itself seriously and giving you these crazy over-the-top stunts and just all kinds of vehicular mania when it comes to them and just these concepts that they come up with in these movies, whether they're driving in uh, Arctic snow, dodging heat seekers from a submarine, or they're driving through one building into another building out of that building into another building. And then the car is stopping right at the edge of the third building that it's crashed through. Like what, whatever they decide to do. I mean, the, they just come up with some amazing over the top stuff. And that's kind of become what this Fast and Furious franchise is. And The Rock, as this character Hobbs, I mean, I didn't know what to think about him at first, but he he's a character that does, he's good with the rest of the Fast and Furious crew or family, as um, Dom would call them, uh, Vin Diesel's character. He's good with the man. He really seems like this about his business um, cop. And then he has this daughter and, you know, The Rock just really was very appealing in that role. And then Jason Statham comes later as Shaw. And I really liked his introduction. I liked him being the brother of one of the former villains. And in a way, um, Shaw... uh, um, Statham's character was kind of this villain, but kind of redeemed himself as the series has gone along. So overall, I, I enjoyed what I saw. And going into this movie, I-, I am happy to report that it follows in a lot of the spirit of those of the film. It- it's a little different this time because the focus is as the as the title says, Hobbs and Shaw. So you don't really get to hear from any other uh, Fast and Furious members or any of anything like that. This really is just their movie. It really is a true spinoff in that way. And this is a isolated story with these two characters. And I enjoyed a lot of things about this film. I mean, first of all, let me just talk about the chemistry of The Rock and Jason Statham. Like, I saw inklings of it in the previous Fast and Furious movies. There's There was one scene, and I man, I'm forgetting which number it was. I want to say it's seven, but I could be wrong about that. But there's a scene where him, uh, where The Rock and Jason Statham are both in jail, like Hobbs and Shaw are both there. And there's this jail breakout scene. That's eight. Oh, is that eight? That's, oh, wow. That's okay. eight of the Furious. Ah, uh, Okay. Thanks for correcting me on that. So they break out of jail and just the back and forth banter with them, just the 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 scenes that they had together that just really made me laugh and how they were just these two guys that hated each other. And they're both alpha males. And that really shows kind of in what they do. So they're really just this odd couple. And in that movie. Uh, those interactions really made me smile. They really made me laugh. And it made me anticipate Hobbs and Shaw even more because I was like, man, I think they do have something here with these two characters. And that really shines through in the Hobbs and Shaw movie, man. Just anytime they were talking trash to each other or yelling at each other, you just couldn't help but giggle or crack a smile or just laugh out loud, which is what 
the audience was doing most of the time. And me being a, a professional wrestler myself, being a longtime wrestling fan, being a longtime fan of The Rock, you know, there were just catchphrases and things that he was saying and little setups that he was doing that are just straight out of some of the stuff he used to do for wrestling. So I appreciated all that when he's telling um, uh, Shaw to he's going to take something and shove it so far up his ass or whatever the case may be. Man, that is all stuff. For those who don't know that The Rock used to do in wrestling, that 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 is that that trash talk. And that banter um, is just some of the stuff that really made him a star. So it was nice to see some of that stuff in here. Um, and, and then I thought that the action sequences were good here, too. Like, like whether they were fighting Kinchman or whether they were in these extravagant car chases and things like that. Man, th there's a lot of good stunt work in this film. Um, and, and like I said, the, the chemistry of Statham and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, they really carried this movie. But uh, Idris Elba, I thought, did a good job in this, too. Um, he was kind of the, your main villain, the black Superman, as he calls himself at one point in the film. But Idris Elba was good here, too, uh, as this villain. And he took this role of this kind of uh, half human, half robot, augmented type of warrior type guy. So all of that was good. I thought that in his scenes, his screen presence was good. And he was also good on screen with the rock and Jason Statham and he proved to be a formidable adversary and ultimately they had to look past their differences and team up which I thought and to in order to defeat him which I thought was a very smart way to do the film how it, it came full circle and they had to help each other to beat him so I, I really liked him and of course Helen Mirren it's always nice to see the queen and in this movie you know the few scenes that she got with Jason Statham the few the few scenes where she was in it uh, I, she did well and I thought that they had a good chemistry as mother and daughter that they did seem like this very odd <laughs> mother and daughter and the things that they talked about and they're just overly criminal and just very eccentric. So I thought that all of that came off. So, and, and overall, th this was just a very enjoyable escapist ride. It was fun. It was definitely over the top and it never took itself too seriously. And even when it got serious, the movie was quick to go back to, Hey, you know what this is. This is fast and the furious. So I think that that, um, the non-serious tone of it, and the chemistry with the leads really um, helped to make this a fairly entertaining um, chapter in the Fast and Furious series. So I enjoyed it. Heather, it's time for you to give your sugar-coated opinion. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, I mean, I... I do have to agree with Justin and that it's just a very entertaining movie. The action, of course, was great. Um, even even though it was over the top, I think that's what makes it as fun as it is. You know, these movies know what they are and they run with it. And I love that. They're not afraid to do that. And um, and I think because they it's kind of like a we don't care we're going to make what we want to make and you're going to like it or you're not i feel like that's kind of the attitude they've had with this movie and with this whole franchise really so um so yeah i mean i expected the action was going to be great which it was um and like you said the chemistry between uh hobbs and and hattie 
which who's played by Vanessa Kirby, actually, that was really great. Um, and yeah, his obviously his chemistry with uh, with Shaw is amazing too. But just I really I think that these subtle ways that uh, Hobbs and Hattie Shaw play off of each other and flirt with each other. Um, it was just really well done. Like you felt the tension there um, and the attraction that they shared. You just kind of, you see that little bit of flirtiness, but we're still trying to, you know, accomplish our goal of what we're trying to do. And it was a really great chemistry that they had, which I appreciated. It was just really fun to watch because you're just like, you know that they're both into it, but they are just trying to pretend like they're not. And then it was just really, it was really well done in this movie. And then, like I said before, the dynamic between Hobbs and Shaw. It's, I mean, it was, it was good in the Fast and the Furious movies, but in this one, it just, it's extremely hilarious and entertaining listening to their back and forth witty banter that they have. They just play off of each other really well. Just the funny jokes that they were saying towards each other and just kind of the insults they were doing with it. You just, you know, you just feel like they know each other. They're familiar to each other and they can be like that with each other and it works. So I thought that was very well done. Honestly, in this movie, a lot of the dynamics are the best part of of the film in general. For example, I loved Ryan Reynolds' character. Um, <laughs> I think that it made it better that I had no idea that he was going to be in this movie <laughs> for some reason. Maybe other people knew, but I definitely did not. So that made the, his moments on screen even more enjoyable since I am a big fan of his too. I honestly think that there's just something about uh, Dwayne Johnson and the way he works with his co-stars because his chemistry and banter with Ryan Reynolds, uh, it was also very fantastic. Like just as good almost as the one with Jason Statham. Uh, you know, and say what you will about his acting, but I, I love The Rock. I think he's great. And there's, there's just some kind of charisma with him that almost always works well in his movies. And this was certainly just no different with that. And I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's he's not like Daniel Day-Lewis or anything like that. <laughs> but he had some really, I think he did have some good moments in the film where he was endearing and believable, like with his relationship with his daughter, yeah. their conversations. Yeah, their dynamic was very realistic, in my opinion. I feel like he's probably like that with his own daughter, you know, and he's probably thinking about his daughter while he's doing that part of it. Uh, and also when he's uh, he's having like that short heart to heart that he has with his estranged brother right before all the craziness goes down, it just felt very genuine in that moment. And I think that he, he did really well with that scene and with what he was trying to do with that. Um, I mean, and since we are talking about the relationship dynamics, I also really like Shaw's dynamic with, um, with his sister and his mom. Uh, it plays well into the story that they are trying to tell with that for the most part. And it's decently believable as a dysfunctional family, uh, you know, Helen Mirren and Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham. Like it just, I appreciated how those characters were written with each other. Like you just feel like that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, their mom would be that person, <laughs> you know, and yeah, her children would be those people. You just feel like it's very believable as to their dynamic and personalities with each other. Um, and I do like that while technically it is part of the Fast and the Furious franchise, it works really well as a standalone movie too. There, there are a few things that you probably wouldn't catch if you hadn't seen the others, but nothing that could not easily be explained like as a brief backstory or something like that. So I would say that's a pretty good way to write a script for a spinoff movie 
So um, I, I think that was that was really it was well done in that sense, too. Other than that, I would just say um, also the scenery was very beautiful when they go to Hawaii. Um, so it, I enjoyed that as well. The just how beautiful it looked. And um, yeah, overall, it was just a good time at the movies. And um, and Idris Elba, obviously, he was great. He's there's also something very charismatic about him as well, whether he's the villain or the hero, whatever he is, you just believe him and he just draws you into what he's doing. And so he was a really excellent choice to play the main um, antagonist in this film. So yeah, it was just, were there, were there problems with it? Of course, but it was fun. You know, it was just a fun movie and it's very like the epitome of what you think a summer action movie should be. Alrighty. Well, contrary to what you guys like to feel, I do have a lot of things to say in this section. Um, first and foremost, I want to say when the, it's when they went to Samoa, not Hawaii. I'm so sorry. So, My bad. Samoa. Just so people sorry. Just so people won't get mad. It is Samoa. Um, for the most part, I really liked um the action sequences in this movie. I liked how they they varied them up in a few ways. And they varied them up in the same regards that a lot of the recent Fast and the Furious movies have, where you get that mix of, you know, you'll have some hand-to-hand ones, you'll have some, you know, vehicular ones, you know, you'll you'll get a good mix of all that different kind of, of action um, throughout this movie. And they did a great job of doing it also in multiple locations. I mean, you have the one where, you know, at the beginning when it's on the streets and in that building, you've got the one when it's in that like prison warehouse, you've got the one taking place on Samoa. So they did a really good job of kind of balancing them back and forth with that. And I, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, and to bring up your, your, uh, what you guys said, uh, like with the banter, between those two and stuff. I like that they, it really kept uh, in tone with how they did it in the other Fast and Furious movies, the the last two, um, seven and eight, with uh, uh, Jason Statham um, being in those. And, you know, they had a couple of, you know, witty things when they were doing that. Uh, when you first see Jason Statham show up and he beats everybody up uh, at the DSS office, which is The Rock and... Um, Oh, I forget her name, but she's uh, Chris Hemsworth's wife. Uh, when they were at the, Elsa, the DSS, office. Elsa Pataki, Elena. Yes, yes, her. Um, and then, uh, like when Jaston brought up that scene from the prison and stuff like that, and pretty much any time they were around each other in Fate of the Furious, really. But it really starts in that prison scene. Um, with it all, uh, I like how they kind of kept making like J- Jason Statham and his sister both kind of made jokes about The Rock and you know how obviously he's physically imposing. So obviously he's just got all brutishness to him with no finesse. Um, you know, and both of them make fun of him for it. But uh, Vanessa Kirby's character, you know, kind of starts feeling it the more the movie goes on. Um, you know, she's definitely she wants to she wants to climb the Hobbs Mountain as they say in the movie. <laughs> um, and, and, and to bring up what you guys were saying with like uh, Ryan Reynolds and Chris Hart and stuff like that with their cameos and stuff like that. Apparently, The Rock is, was saying that uh, if they do a second one of these, Ryan Reynolds might be back in that too, like as more part of the team. Um, That'd be cool. Than that. And that's what they were trying to, they were trying to set that up via the end credit stuff where you actually see him uh, more in action than just him, you know, saying stuff at the beginning of the movie. Um, but yeah, with what Justin was saying, I really like that 
these movies have really kind of harkened back to some of the things that make made the rock famous um which i mean he is a he is a great wrestler but what he was even better at was his on the mic stuff his 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 promos his you know his just overall mic skills and for the first time i feel like they didn't handcuff him completely in this movie i felt like for the other four fast and furious movies he was a little bit handcuffed early on and i feel like they started to you know kind of ease up on those a little bit but in this one i feel like for the first time they really just said hey it's a pg-13 movie and just go with it um and i think he did and i think he did, they did a fantastic job with that um you know i really liked um idris elva's character i i really like that interesting concept I like how they they gave you a reason for him to be invincible and to legitimately hold up against the rock and Jason Statham. Like in all actuality, if you really look at it, it'd be very hard for anybody to reasonably, especially in this universe, to be able to reasonably say that one person stands the chance fighting both of them. And I feel like they did good enough justifications to justify why he could do that. But then also in a way that if you don't get a character like that going forward, it also kind of works itself out too, you know, where it can be one and done with the, you know, eugenic, uh, super soldier type character. And I think that really fit with that, especially with in, in a lot of ways, how just superhuman, um, the, the Shaw and Hobbs already kind of are. I mean, fuck the rock should have died like 27 times in this movie. <laughs> If he was just the rock, I mean, let's just be real here. He should have died several times. Jason Statham, not as much, maybe about 15 times, but the rock easily should have died 27 times. I mean, he jumped off that building and was just Mario jumping off of people rappelling down a building. And that last one was <laughs> what? Still 50, 60 feet onto glass and steel. But because he landed on um, self-proclaimed black Superman, he lived and is fine. Let's be real. He should have died at least nine times in that scene alone from just various things. But they do a good job of roping it in and, and developing your expectations to the degree of at no point did you even think The Rock was going to have a wound from that maneuver. Like he went through heavy duty glass and steel. Worst case scenario, should have had two broken legs. And they develop it in such a way to where you're not even expecting him to be bleeding when he stands up. Not even like a bloody lip. Nothing. You're expecting him to be in pristine mint condition getting up from that with the exception of maybe having some dirt on his clothes. Then he might have to do that stereotypical action movie. I just went through a bunch of shit. Let me dust off my clothes now, even though I should be dead moment. Um, This movie really kind of kept in tone with a lot of what has made the Fast and Furious franchise what it is. You know, not taking itself seriously, but keeping that identity. Keeping that identity that doesn't take itself so seriously, but grounds itself in essentially like a stuntman type of mentality. You know, that whole go big or go home. But it's not like that whole like 90s extreme sports thing. It really is. They try to up themselves with their, with, with what they're, bringing to the table as far as stunt wise i mean the fast and furious franchise is a franchise equivalent of the tom cruise and the mission impossible movies like every one of those movies he does a bigger and bigger stunt and it's literally tom cruise doing it like what a lot of people don't realize especially about this last one um rogue nation it wasn't rogue nation was that the last one anyway when he fought henry cavill yeah what a lot of people don't realize is in that movie 
when they do that halo jump where they're jumping essentially from like the edge of the atmosphere, Tom Cruise did that. And that's absolutely apeshit bonkers. And I feel that these movies are doing the same. Now, I do appreciate that this movie didn't try to go bigger than the Fast and Furious movies themselves, you know, because the last Fast and the Furious movie, uh, they took on a submarine with cars. So I'm glad that they did not try to outdo that in this movie. They, they reined that aspect in a little bit, but in doing so, they did it like it was kind of like a ratio of you had like, what, eight characters doing that scene, you know, eight of the, the main Fast and Furious characters taking part in that scene. Whereas in this, they reined it down to where what you would expect the stunts to be if the, if the Fast and Furious franchise at that moment had two people in it, you know. So they ratioed it down very well within this. I mean, while still keeping that fun sense of this is utterly bonkers bananas bullshit. I mean, at one point, the rock is holding a military grade helicopter <laughs> yes out of sheer force yes. of will right and i will i will go on this and say that is one of my absolute favorite scenes and one of my absolute i hate scenes it is both simultaneously because it was fucking glorious and fuck nobody should have even thought of it at the same time <laughs> i mean this man was doing feats of strength that Captain America wasn't even doing in the MCU. <laughs> I mean, Captain America struggled to hold that helicopter. In this, it just looked like the rock flexed a little harder and that was it. <laughs> you know, at one point he picks up a man off a bike while in the passenger seat of a car with what was actually his left hand. Now that I think about it, his left arm sticking out the window of a car, picks a man off of a bike, holds him up. Now, this is a full-grown man, and this is a McLaren, so it's a low-sitting car. So he's actually holding him up even a little higher than you would think with one arm. And that guy was easily buck 90. I'm going to say even over that when you include gear and whatnot, but holds him in the air for like 100 feet and then slams him into a wall as they drive by. That shit, downright ludicrous impossible. But you accept it 100% when it happens. You're just looking at him going, yep, he looks like he could do that. And I saw him do it. I'll allow it. And I think that's the beauty of this franchise is it, it makes you second guess what you understand as realistic physics because you witness these things happen. And in your brain, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that it would never work like that, no matter what rules of the universe were in place but while they're happening in these films they present them in such a way and they've packaged them and refined them in such a way that it is also 100 percent believable at the same time and this movie carries on that tradition in spades how's that for some like zach <laughs> anytime i say something nice about a movie now i'm just gonna call out zach zach you created a monster man i love you man uh, Any you other created a monster <laughs> Any other likes, guys? I was just going to say, um, just to kind of expand a little bit on the point that you had made um, in your like section about how it didn't feel like The Rock was handcuffed. I, I do definitely agree with that. And that was something that I was talking about with a couple of my friends that I went and saw this with. There was a lot of him and his heritage and his story kind of sprinkled all throughout this film, um, uh, as, especially just some of the stuff about how, like, the father 
um, wasn't around uh, early in his life and he was raised by his grandmother. That is a very real thing because when uh, because his father, Rocky Johnson, who was also a professional wrestler, was on the road constantly being a pro wrestler and The Rock and his siblings, they were um, raised by the grandmother. So a lot of that is true to home. I, I like the fact that his cousin, Roman Reigns, who's probably who's arguably probably the top and the the face the the top male face of the WWE right now. I like that his cousin Roman Reigns got to be in this. And there was, you know, scenes specifically where they got to team up and do stuff together. And I mean they were straight up doing wrestling moves and stuff like that that you see on WWE TV. And and you just couldn't tell me that that stuff was put in there without his influence. Like, like I just refuse to believe that someone else thought of that stuff. I know that that was him. There was a picture, and I don't know if you guys noticed it or even saw it or cared, but um, whenever they do go to Samoa and he's talking to his mom, th- there's a part where his mother's speaking and in the background, there's a picture of Rocky Johnson uh, and, and the rock as a little kid. And it's Rocky Johnson flexing and he's got on like his uh, wrestling tights or whatever. And he's got the and he's flexing in one hand and then he's got his hand on uh, a young child rocks shoulders i saw that picture and i was like hell yeah man that's cool so i definitely agree with you sterling like his heritage and his story is all over this movie and that was one of the big things that i appreciated for any wrestling fan you're just going to enjoy those scenes and those things that they and those nods to his wrestling heritage Oh yeah, because I mean, what Roman Reigns did the spear, and uh, and The Rock does a belly to back yep. on uh, on Brixton. So yeah, they they very much showcased a lot of that. Um, funny little story, real quick before we move on. There is a scene where both Roman Reigns and The Rock. I believe it's that scene. I could be wrong, but one of the scenes Roman Reigns was in. Um, Roman Reigns actually knocked out one of the camera guys filming one of those scenes. Uh-oh. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So damn. Just a fun little damn. story. <laughs> yeah it's dangerous to be a, a, a cameraman um but no i guess with that uh we'll move on to the dislikes now and i'm I'm glad it it comes after uh what you just said justin because this is this is only a slight dislike because this movie pulled it off a little better than i was expecting but this movie was dangerously close to actually going off the rails when it went to samoa it really kind of just towed the line when it came to that part because man it oh that was an adjustment is what that was when they went there i mean they did a good job of justifying you know being able to do the whole we're going to use old school samoan weapons and you know those aspects of it you know they did a good job of premising why that happened but this was dangerously dangerously close to going bad boys too at the end of this movie because I loved Bad Boys 2 up until the moment they went to Cuba and then it 100% lost me for the rest of the movie and this movie was just so fucking close to doing the same thing the entire time 
they were doing that stuff on Samoa. It just kind of felt like they were adding a little too much of it at the end at the wrong time. Like doing the whole, you know, family redemption story, the whole believe in yourself, you don't need weapons stuff, the we need to work together to win this, we need to do this and that to do this. It just felt like they crammed a lot of those aspects of it at the end of the movie instead of letting any of them develop as the movie went on. And it was really pushing the envelope. Like I said, it did a good enough job of not going off the rails at that moment. But just every second I was watching that stuff, I was afraid it was about to. I just had this feeling of like dread almost the entire like third act of that movie because I was just waiting for it to fuck it all up and it just didn't. And I'm wondering though if that aspect of it tainted the end of it a little bit slightly for me just because of that. Because I mean they were jet setting all over the place in this movie you know as it was. And that was just another thing that you knew was coming because of the trailers, you know? And then somehow they the ending did did though become a little too home alone because I mean fuck they accounted for every aspect of that black ops group coming to that island right down to they're going to have a military grade helicopter that they're going to have to contend with to make it not escape not that they're just going to have to take down a helicopter no 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 they're going to have to take down a helicopter slash not let it get away and somehow they were just 100 percent ready for that moment down to they're launching oil barrels and the you know, we're going to be able to Voltron these cars together to like a degree that I don't want to say was absurd, but I will say once again, pushed the limits. I think that that's one thing this movie did, I think a little bit more than some of these newest Fast and Furious movies, is this one pushed the limits of what this franchise does a little more. Even when it comes down to the length of the movie, because this movie comes in damn near, what, two and a half hours? And... That's a little long for something like this. This should be a nice polished hour 45, two hours tops. You know, this isn't Endgame. This isn't Infinity War. This isn't the culmination of decades of events because that's not how this franchise works. You know, this movie isn't a culmination of it's just every, you know, it's supposed to be every movie's the next step up. And this one should have been that half step since it was a spinoff. It should have just been that next step in the next direction. But instead, like I said, it pushed it a little, a little hard. And I'll say that the movie was not better off for it. Like I said, the time, oh man, it really, when this movie did drag, it felt like it dragged a lot. Like I was saying, what, as much as they packed in at the end of that movie, I did not need most of that. I didn't need to have The Rock reconcile with his family. I didn't need to have The Rock and his brother, you know, go through what, 30 years of bad blood between each other in the span of five minutes. You know, I didn't need that speech about how the island will provide for you and all this other stuff. And I understand a lot of those aspects of it is significant to Samoan culture. So that's why I was a little bit forgiving of that aspect of it. But I mean, when it's all said and done, you could have streamlined it and pushed it a little closer. You didn't need to have that montage of them putting this stuff together and, you know, just to show a bunch of guys giving each other's knucks, you know, after they did their job. And then, you know, whether it's Jason Statham or The Rock, just randomly giving a bunch of other motherfuckers some knuckles, man. They were just constantly doing some shit and giving each other's knucks. And it felt like they did that for 15 minutes. And I'm sure that that <laughs> montage part was only like four minutes long, but fuck, it felt like 15, you know? I felt like they spent way too much time having that weird Dr. Claw voice monologue to 
uh, what Brixton about, you know, what his job is and what he needs to do with this and what he needs to do with that. You know, it was just every chance they got, they had to explain another thing about Brixton or do this or do that instead of just letting it develop or just letting it play out on screen, you know, or just have them fighting and just, you know, him say it to Jason Statham in the rock while he's fighting. No, no, no. You just had to see him in this sterile room with this, you know, Robo 9000 voice talking to him. And, you know, they kept modulating the voice, you know, making it sound like they were trying to give you hints to who it actually was, but then never actually doing it, which is fine. They're setting up a sequel. I totally get that. But it just made the random modulation and demodulation feel so weird and fake. So, like, why even bother doing that? You know, and also at times, I think they were a little clumsy with how they were constantly trying to point out to you that while, you know, Jason Statham's character is a bad guy in these movies um, or was a bad guy that ultimately deep down him and the rock are the same. You don't have to do that every fucking five minutes, guys. You know, it was kind of nice when they did that split screen at the beginning of the movie, but for the rest of the movie, they didn't really need to keep, you know, doing that whole, we're the different, we're different, but we're the same. And, you know, and, and the final thing I'll say with this is one thing that, is slightly weird or just kind of played out in the Fast and Furious franchise as they're constantly, every movie it feels like they're constantly just going back to we're family, we're family, you know, we're a family. Well, you're now part of the family or they attack the family or this is a family and that's a family. They're constantly bringing up family all the time. And then all of a sudden this movie happens and it was their version of that in this movie was we hate each other, but we got to work together. We hate each other, but we got to work together. Oh, to beat this guy, we hate each other. But we got to work together on this. I'm like, yeah, we fucking get it, guys. That's the entire premise of this fucking movie. Why do you have to constantly remind you of this? All the way down to the very final moments of the fight scene, when they realize if they work together, they can beat self-proclaimed Black Superman, which is fine and all. But at the same time, is there any less of a big, like a, a no shit moment where if two people fight together, they can beat one person? No shit. It, it, that's mathematics. One plus one equals two. Two is greater than one. Duh. Like, they really didn't need to do that at that moment. They could have easily just done it with a, you know, with the lines they used in the movie of, you know, they just kind of realized it and they looked at each other and they could do a nod to each other. And then, you know, Jason Statham can go, I'll take a punch if you give one. And Rock can say the same, just like they did after they had that, you know, eight minute long diatribe of, oh, if we work together, we can win if you notice what happened. Because that's what it felt like. They talked about it for like, you know, at least a day and a half before they finally said those lines. They said they could have just looked at each other, nodded, said the second part of that, which was actually a good little thing. I I liked that aspect of the that conversation, the whole, if you give, or I'll take a punch if you give one, you know, and then the other one saying, yes, I'll do the same. I liked that aspect of it because that was a, a nice little twist. Just the, the way it's worded. I liked that aspect of it. So they could have kept that and just not had a conversation about it because dear God, this isn't the 1960s with comic books. You don't have to spell it everything as it happens. You know, you don't need the rock running up and going, I'm going to use my ultra Samoan attack on this guy while doing a move. And it kind of felt like it got like that a little bit towards the end. I'm done. I'm done talking now. Heather. What did you not like about this movie? Yeah, I I totally get those points. It especially the the point you bring up about um it did feel like it dragged. It it felt long in places that it didn't need to be. <laughs> and mostly when they are in Samoa, like you were saying, some of the the story progression there dragged on for me and they I mean, you probably could have cut like 15 20 minutes of that part out 
And yeah, because I mean, you just I knew that that was coming in the movie because you see that in the trailer, but it just took so long to get there. And when it did, it was kind of like, yeah, I, I like some of the things they did while they were there. And I get the point of why they were there. But it really it went on for a very, very long time. So I I do agree with that. I think it's uh it you know it just uh, yeah i don't know it would it, it wasn't my favorite pacing of a movie especially the fast and the furious ones where you do kind of feel like it's sort of non-stop action all the time and this was a lot of that but yeah they just kind of it, it felt longer and it felt like it dragged in places that it didn't really need to um another thing for me that i i really didn't i didn't really like was that they don't really even acknowledge Shaw's brother in this with any of the rest of his family not even a mention of him even though he was such a huge part of the fast and furious films uh, or at least the later ones and a big reason why hobbs and shaw even know each other it just felt weird that there wasn't even a line that mentioned him and i just wish that they would have incorporated that somewhere because it was one thing that for me made it feel like it was separate from the rest of the Fast and the Furious movies, it feels like taking Luke Evans out of out of it as if he's not even a factor or a character, it just made it feel like it wasn't quite part of that same world for a little bit. Not that it ruined the film or anything like that. It just would have added more to it for me. Uh, you know, even just like a throwaway line of you know, just anything about it, you know, like, oh, we haven't talked in so long because of this or something like that. But it felt like he wasn't even like existing in this world. So I thought that was kind of weird. And it did kind of throw me off a little bit with the whole thing. So I wasn't really a huge fan of that specifically, even though obviously he is a bad guy. It's not like, you know, oh, I love his character or anything, but it just would have felt a little bit more like they were following what had happened previously if they had had him or at least mentioned in it. Um, and then something else that I didn't really care for is kind of, it was kind of alluded to earlier is just how cheesy it was and very over the top with some of the things that they did, which that is kind of their thing with these types of movies. So I, I mean, and I do enjoy suspending my disbelief to watch, you know, crazy impossible action sequences, but some of it was just really out there and ridiculous like we were saying with uh him with Dwayne Johnson just you know pulling that um that helicopter into the ground more basically like pulling it down to him just with a bare arm like it was just like you know it was very over the top for me and I think it was that point that I was just like okay this is a little this is a little much (laughs) I mean and some people like Sterling you loved it you thought it was great you know or your mixed feelings on it. But for me, I was just like, all right, that's a bit much. Um, and then um, his speech that he gives to Idris Elba, uh, his character at the end about whatever he was saying about like, you can have all the technology in the world, but you know, what we care about is people and that whole thing that he did. It was, it didn't land well with how he tried to do that for me. Um, it, it came across as really just trying to overdo it just to drive home some kind of like moral point. Um, it didn't really fit in with the rest of the movie or it didn't feel like it, it fit in that right moment with how he did it. So that kind of was a little bit off-putting for me. Um, but I mean, and the, yeah, I mean, other than the things that were already previously mentioned about not the greatest things about this movie. Those those are really my dislikes, which are not really enough to cause me in general to dislike this movie. But still, it was just by no means a perfect action film. 
So, uh, yeah, those are just a couple of the things that stood out to me. Justin, what did you not like about this movie? Okay. So, and for me, um, a lot of the things that you guys said, I definitely uh, understand and agree with. Really, uh, th- this is just an example of one of those movies where sometimes when you get the right casting, it elevates the material. It elevates a lot of what happens because the leads and the characters are so charismatic or doing so well in their roles. It elevates what really sometimes is just paper thin or simple or cliche material. And I really think that that is what essentially this movie is. Uh, I enjoyed this movie because of the leads. I enjoyed it because of The Rock's charisma. I enjoyed it because of him and Jason Statham together. I enjoyed this because of Idris Elba. I enjoyed this because of the Ryan Reynolds cameos and things like that. I enjoyed it because those are just likable, enjoyable, intriguing people. But the film as far as the story is just like I said, it's a very paper thin script with just a lot of predictable uh, and uh, just a lot of cliches that really you just never got the sense that the film was taking any chances. I guess you could say that the nature of the film is taking a chance because it it feels like maybe they're trying to kind of do a Marvel thing here where you have all these characters, you're expanding this universe, for lack of a better term, with Fast and the Furious, and you've got all these characters, and some start evil, and then they go good, or whatever. You know, like Statham's character kind of, in a way, he's kind of almost like a Loki, where he was kind of like this bad person, but then kind of turns, you know, you can make a lot of parallels. And now you got um, The Rock, who's kind of like this, you know, he's got these superhuman capabilities and stuff like that. So I couldn't help but think that this is starting to kind of become, it's almost like a different type of universe they're trying to create or set up and things like that. And with that, Though And with this movie, there come challenges and things like that, that where if you're going to do the Marvel thing, there's a reason why Marvel, why the MCU is the MCU and this is uh, what it is, you you know, and I do feel like in trying to spin off and kind of get do a separate story from the Fast and the Furious movies, but but still be within that franchise, I do feel like you the 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 film suffered because you didn't have that dynamic of all the other characters. The 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 you know, even though I was watching this and enjoying it for the most part, you did feel like other characters were missing. You did feel that because Dom wasn't in this, it made a difference. Because Tyrese and Ludacris weren't in this, it kind of made a difference. The emphasis on vehicles and cars and sports cars and stuff like that wasn't quite in this. So it did feel, and I understand it needs to feel like a different movie, but it also didn't feel like those other movies enough either. So you kind of have it existing kind of in this weird space. And I don't know if anybody else felt like that, but that's just kind of how I felt. 
it 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 got too far away from the things that we kind of love about those Fast and Furious movies, and it kind of became its own separate thing. And kind of uh, what you guys were saying about the trip to Samoa and everything like that. And, and like and what I said was that you know The Rock I felt like did have a lot more influence in this because he got to show a little more of his culture and his heritage and everything like that, which is cool. But yeah, man, I do agree that because the movie didn't really develop that relationship because we kind of have to find out about his relationship to his family about halfway through. And then we have to be introduced to that. Then we have to develop that and resolve that and then get to our finale all within a span of maybe 45 minutes to an hour. So yes, all of that pacing wise did feel rushed. It felt like we had to hurry up and get to that information in so that you could understand and then we have to resolve it and everything like that. So that just didn't feel as fleshed out of a story as Jason Statham's character, Shaw's character, because, you know, we got to spend some time with him and his mom. We got to hear about the relationship dynamic with his sister. We got the flashbacks where him and his sister were little kids and they come up with these phrases for whatever they're doing and stuff like that. So that Shaw's story actually felt like a little bit more of a fleshed out kind of full, more fully realized story. At least it felt that way for me with the dynamic with him and his sister. But like you guys said, this sort of became, it was about Hobbs and Shaw's relationship, but then it was about The Rock's family. And then it was a kind of about them having to work together. And I do feel like there was a bit much that the movie was trying to do uh, towards the end. And, and and like I said, there are just a lot of cliches here. Like Sterling alluded to the Dr. Claw, angry, evil computer voice. And dude, I mean, how many times have we seen that in other movies? The whole philosophy of, oh, we're going to use technology or machines to purge humanity and stuff like that. I mean, my God, have we, how many times, how many villains, how many things have we seen where that is the plot point, where that is the story, and that is what the villains or the 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 things are trying to do you know th that's that's really just cliche and you kind of know what that is and everything in this really is predictable you know that your heroes are going to eventually have to get along and work together to beat the bad guy you know kind of where the film was going and you knew and you knew that uh, Statham, his sister, you, you knew that her and The Rock, you, you just kind of knew that that was going to happen and stuff like that. And the movie kind of jokes about it in a way um, towards the beginning of the film, but you kind of knew that they were going to be feeling each other towards the end. You, you, you just knew because that's how movies like this go. So um, I do feel that that in those regards, in the storytelling regards, a lot of this is familiar. A lot of this is not going to surprise you. And a lot of this is did feel like just some of your run of the mill action movie cliches and stuff like that. So in that regard, I, I do share the same sentiment. And that's why this film falls 
into a it's good but not great category. There weren't enough chances taken. There wasn't anything in it that that made you go, oh, man, this really kind of adds to the Fast and Furious franchise in just a super positive way. Or, oh, man, I wonder how this is going to um, impact the other films or the other movies that come out. And you just kind of got the feeling that I, I don't know if any of this really impacts it other than Hobbs and Shaw would just be getting along a little bit better. But without those cameos from the other characters, without um, enough in- things to kind of tie it to Fast and the Furious where it's a separate film, but it doesn't feel like it's just such an abandonment of those other movies. I think that uh, honestly, this movie winds up existing in kind of a weird place. And that's something that Marvel does very well, regardless of what you're watching, whether it's Ant-Man and the Wasp or whether it's a Spider-Man movie or whether it's a, they're so good. It all still feels like Marvel. It all still feels like this evolving universe and they don't really get enough credit for that and when these other films try to do it you definitely can see the difference in how it just doesn't feel like it's all running together so those would definitely be my main uh gripes for this film you you worded that in a way that I, i i thought was very interesting when you started that the the fact that like this script was pretty much a very cookie cutter type of script that everyone in the movie just elevated. And yeah, no, I, I didn't think of it like that, but pretty much as soon as you said that, that's pretty much it just all kind of instantly clicked together. Yeah. So yeah, kudos on that. I, I, I do like the way you phrase that. Well, any other thoughts guys before we move on? I'm good. Nope. And I did look it up. Yes. It was the scene where they both threw their, uh, their clubs when, when Roman Reigns and rock threw the clubs at the same time. Yep, that is the scene where uh, Roman Reigns hit the camera guy right in the right in the face. <laughs> nice, that's great. I'm gonna have to go. Did you? Did you? Where did you find that? Was like Rock doing an interview or something? Is there a video I can find that? They've they, they've both they've both they've both talked about it. I'll I'll send you a link and uh oh we'll when this episode comes out we'll put a, a link Hell on yeah, the Facebook cool. too. I want to check that out. That that oh. sounds great. But yeah, I'll send you the link I found, and it's it's the the scene I found is uh it's actually Roman. Telling the story. Oh, about okay. It. Awesome. Okay. Cool. cool. So, yeah. Um, but so let's move on to the next section, which will go right back to Justin, since we kind of always do a snake with these things. Um, Justin, what's your uh, recommendation and score for this one, buddy? All right. Well, do I recommend this? Okay. Uh, first of all, the, the yes, I do because this is this was just a lot of fun, man. I mean, this is a fun and an entertaining movie and like we kind of said at the beginning this is a this is very just much escapist just mindless type of fun and you just have to go in there you can't go in here expecting a john wick because it is not that you you can't go in here expecting something epic or grand scale like an end game or anything like that because that's not really what this is uh, but this is a good time at the movies. I thought, you know, my, my friends and I, we had fun. We laughed at a lot of the parts. And um, overall, I did find this enjoyable, like we said, because of the lead characters. They're so compelling. Uh, the, the banter. And that's really what this film is about. And if you're just looking for a fun movie, you're just looking for a few hours to get away. Hey, why not spend it? 
um, on this film. So for those reasons, I'm definitely going to recommend it. Um, as a score, we're going to go with 68, um, <laughs> 68 uh, rocks. <laughs> throwing a chain around a helicopter and all of these other cars with Samoan relatives linking up together <laughs> to weigh down a, uh, a helicopter uh, out of a hundred. So I'm going positive, you know, 68 for me is a positive. I kind of am similar to the tomato scale. So that's a positive score for me. Um, uh, you know, overall, uh, I, I like this more than I disliked it. And like I said, the leads and the lines that they had and the chemistry that they had and all of the talent that was on this project really do elevate what is a simple story. Heather, your turn. Yeah, that really is like the best way to put it is how you said that, Justin. It, they, they do elevate the story. And if they had different people in this or something like that, I don't know if I would have liked it as much as I did. Um but yeah, I do definitely recommend this film. It's fun and entertaining. It's I think it's very funny. Um, and especially when you see the dynamic between um, Hobbs and Shaw, it's just it's fun and it's funny. And it's you don't feel like they're trying too hard with it. And I, I just appreciated the way that it was um, just the way that they came across in the dynamics and the chemistry between all of the characters. And that really is what for me, made the movie um, great, but it's just a rewatchable film. You know, it's just one that you could put on and you'll always be entertained by it probably. So for me, yes, I do definitely recommend it. My score is going to be 73 Jason Statham consistently popped collars, even while fighting and getting thrown into things out of a hundred. Um, all in all, I, I do feel like this is a good stepping stone for what I hope is more movies. I do hope we get more of this. I know Tyrese Gibson is all starting a little feud with The Rock because he was all pissed that they weren't wanting to do something. And he was like, Fast and Furious fans aren't going to like it because it doesn't, you know, have what these, you know, movies bring that they actually enjoy, which I don't think Tyrese Gibson understands why people like the Fast and Furious movies. Because, I mean, the fucker's only been in one more than The Rock has which was Fast and Furious 2, <laughs> which is arguably the worst one. I mean, I, I, it, it's either two or three. I mean, take your pick. Either one of them's the worst one. And, you know, that's the only other one of these that Tyrese has been in that The Rock hasn't been in. So, you know, The Rock's just, he's got as much say as anyone else in these movies. I mean, I would also say with that, you know, The Rock... You know, when The Rock came into things was the turnaround of the franchise. I do I do feel like it turned around a little bit before five, because I do think the end of four is utterly cuckoo bananas in the most awesome way ever. And I feel like that's when it really started hitting its stride was the last 10 minutes of four and then moving forward. Um, but yes, I mean, for the most part, it's then that's when The Rock came in, you know, his character and his dynamic and his relationship with these other characters really brought a much needed breath of fresh air to this franchise. And I do feel if Hobbs and Shaw get a sequel or, you know, get a more kind of a spinoff franchise, a franchise within a franchise, an MCU within an MCU, I feel like they could end up doing the same thing, especially if, like I said, the rumors are true or what The Rock has talked about is true, that like Ryan Reynolds will have a bigger part in the next one. 
you know, he'll be an actual part of the team and stuff like that. I feel like that would, that really could be the breath of fresh air that also um, would help with this, you know, because as much as I'm, I'm ready for, you know, them to uh, fight in outer space in Fast and Furious 10 or 11, because it's going to happen. It's the next logical conclusion. They're going to be in outer space at some point, and I'm so ready for it. But as much as I love that, I do like the possibilities that this Hobbs and Shaw uh, franchise could hold when it comes to that overall universe uh, with the Fast and Furious movies, especially because there is some talks that the whole, you know, Justice for Han thing, since Jason Statham's character killed Han in three slash six, however you want to look at it. And in doing so, you know, and he does reference it for a quick minute in this movie when he's talking to his sister and he talks about how, you know, he's, he's got things, you know, that he does need to make amends for. And that's the, the director and the writer for this movie were saying that that's what he's referencing was Han having killed Han. So I am, I'm interested to see where that might go later, especially if it is devoid of the characters that were friends with Han. So I'm just, I'm interested to see where that goes either way. And I, like I said, I do feel like this is, it's, it's got a lot of potential. I don't think it lived up to all of it in this movie, but it lived up enough to it to where I am excited to see this going forward. And oddly enough, both of you were lower than me on this because I will give this 75. The Rock looking pretty badass in his uh, Samoan garb out of 100. Take that, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. What now, Zach? I gave this score the best or this movie the best score of all three. Suck it, Zach. <laughs> Suck it. I think this podcast is going to be called The Zach Episode, featuring discussions about Hawk. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. <laughs> Just so you know, Zach, we're very thankful that you listened to us and thanks for your input. <laughs> and suck it. Please still be my friend, Zach, <laughs> after this. I do not share all of Sterling's views. I still like you, man. You're awesome. <laughs> and suck it, Zach. Like I said, I've got nothing against Zach. I just thought it was funny that somebody said that about me. So I'm just going to run with it. Any final thoughts, guys? Well, the, the Tyrese thing that you were talking about, because I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to uh, bring it up as just a final question to y'all. Um, and, and, and just to give a little more background on that, the, the film made 60 million domestic this past weekend made 120 million overseas so overall about 180 million was the weekend that the film had and so his argument was that that 60 million domestically is not really a win and that and so then and that's when you know like you said sterling he started kind of talking about well it should have included other people and you know maybe this kind of doing these spinoffs and things like that is not exactly what the people want um do, you know do you does he have a point about that box office um about that box office total as far as it just um, doing the 60 million domestic. Cause honestly, I thought that it would do a lot better than that, you know? And I know that that's not what they projected. So what do you think is the, the, the reasoning for that? Do, do you see it maybe still leading this weekend? Do you think it can have a double weekend where it leads or do you think it'll be, consistent or does he kind of have a point you know maybe the audience is not ready for kind of a spin-off maybe 
we should have just went right into that next Fast and Furious movie. I'm just wondering, you know, what you guys think about what he said in relation to that total for the weekend. Um, I think it's going to have growing pains just because of what it is. And I'm fine with that, especially when Tyrese is talking all this mad shit about it and not putting the universal perspective of the Fast and Furious franchise into play. Um, the Fast and the Furious franchise is one of those weird ones that never makes it never makes as much money as people think it does domestically. Like you would think the, the highest grossing one of them is Furious 7 brought in a cool 1.5 billion worldwide. And a lot of it does have to do with the fact that Paul Walker died. Let's be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. Out of that 1.5 billion, it only made 353 in the US. That's an incredibly low number domestically yeah, that for is. that box office for that total yeah it made a fifth of it here you know the next highest grossing one as far as the world goes is the fate of the furious at 1.2 billion which is a good number 1.2 it only made 226 million domestically though hmm. that's not a good number like or it's not, not a bad number at all it made 1.2 billion that's fucking phenomenal um it's not your standard numbers when you're getting that high a lot of movies that end up reaching a billion or all this other stuff have just really high domestic box offices the fast and the furious franchise doesn't so i think that plays a lot into it you know okay so so this is a pattern this is like their history really so if anything that this it, it's almost kind of repeating the history of the other of some of its later films because that's kind of what this did then a lower domestic score but then a super beefy kind of worldwide score yeah it's so, it's gonna be yeah. fine because the thing is is this weekend i don't think there's anything that's gonna beat it this weekend i mean you've got uh scary stories to tell in the dark you've got the kitchen you've got that movie with dead father from this is us and a dog whatever the fuck that movie's called like i love racing cars with dogs or something shit like that <laughs> yeah the dogs a dog's drift or whatever it's called what about uh dora though isn't dora the explorer coming out too is that this Next weekend one. the weekend yeah, after. but i also i also oh, don't okay. think that's gonna beat this one either i just personally don't well, think it will yeah i I get what you're saying with that, but if any of them had a shot, I'd say it's Dora. Um, yeah, if any of them had a shot, I would say that one. I don't think it's going to beat it, but that one has a shot. So I, I think would it, say, I think never it, mind. I think it's got two or three weeks of being number one. It'll be fine. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to at least hit 150 million domestic, which won't be, you know, oddly enough, won't even put it in the top. Uh, I think it'll put it near like the sixth highest grossing in this movie uh, franchise. But at the same time, it's a lot less of this franchise. You know what I mean? You're not getting, you know, the full cast. So the fact that it's not getting the full thing, but it'll still pull respectable numbers. I don't think they ever expected this to beat the full ensemble movies at all. You know, um, it just needs to do good within itself. That's all they need. You know, they're not they weren't expecting a billion out of this movie because they dropped it in fucking August, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> it also dropped at a different time than all these other movies. Most of the Fast and Furious movies jump drop in what that window of between April and July, which those are your prime box office going to rake in the cash fucking months, you know, outside of your Christmas movies, you know, or your Christmas time and stuff like that. But like as far as summer releases, August is that weird no man's land. And so, yeah, I think it's fine. You know, it's it's. I don't think that they, you know, were expecting it to beat out, 
you know, all these other movies. Because like I said, it's not the franchise. It's just an offshoot. And True. I think, I think it's, I think it'll, like I said, I think it'll be fine. I think yeah. it's going to do old, I like, I, when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be probably 150 domestic. I say at least, at least four or 500 uh, foreign or worldwide. Because I, I also don't think that this has been fully released worldwide yet. Because I don't think that this was released in China. It might not ever get released in China, which would hurt it. Um, but I don't know if this is one of the ones that ended up in China. I just know it didn't get a full worldwide release like like some of the, the later ones have. Yeah. I mean, and I think um, even though it's an offshoot sort of movie from the franchise, I think that some people are still kind of equating it to being another Fast and Furious movie in a way. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but I just kind of feel like, you know, every couple of years they've had a new one come out and this is sort of that one for this year because the next one's coming out in 2020, which is next year. So I feel like this is kind of their Fast and Furious fix, if you will, until the next one does come out. So I do feel like it's sort of being viewed in the same way as the rest of the movies are, the whole franchise. Um, And this article I was uh, just reading was talking, you know, just talking about like um, um, domestic versus overseas and things like that. Um, And one of the things that they said was... Um, the series is not so much about creating a movie for Americans as it is about creating a movie that is a cultural blank slate. It's supposed to be fun and exciting, yet simple enough that there won't be much loss in translation um, anywhere in the globe. So I thought that was just kind of an interesting little thing going off of what you guys were talking about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, And and yeah, I think that you guys are... um, Right about that. And overall, what he was talking about, I still don't get the sense that 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 necessarily means this was a bad idea or wasn't a good idea, because if anything, it was experimental. I think that this was like the guinea pig project. Let's see if people will come watch this. Let's see if people will um if people will like this and then the idea should be that if this works we know we can do other spinoffs or we know we can kind of take some other characters and put them in their own movie from the fast and furious we're just trying to see how many legs does this thing have and i don't know i feel like tyrese may not be coming from just a completely honest place in the sense of he's just looking at numbers and saying that's the issue. I just feel like there's more to that there. Maybe a little bit of professional jealousy. I don't know if he wanted to be like you said, maybe he still had feelings like, man, I want to be in I wanted to be in it and I'm not in it. So I'm kind of sullen about it. Or maybe he feels like The Rock kind of came in and he got his own movie and but The Rock is like a huge star, man. He's like one of the biggest stars right now. So I mean, you can't hate on him for trying to for seeing an opportunity and trying to like expand things. I don't think that's necessarily the problem. So. So, yeah. And and like you said, that that if it's mirroring the pattern of most of the Fast and Furious box office totals as far as domestic and foreign, if it's kind of mirroring those numbers, then like you said, yeah, it's going to be okay. And Dora does come out uh, this weekend. It does. The release date is August the 9th. So it will be there. But Fast and Furious, uh, I mean, but Hobbs and Shaw could beat that. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's necessarily like a super anticipated release. I mean, I know there are people that are fans of that, but 
I mean, I don't know. It didn't seem like a most anticipated release of the year or anything like that. So, yeah, I could see this film leading uh, two weekends in a row. So, yeah. And if it does that, then, I mean, what could you say about it then? You know, and also just to put some context on this, Fate of the Furious, when it came out, like I said, 1.2 billion worldwide overall throughout its entire run played in at least 66 countries. Hobbs and Shaw has been released in 18. Oh, wow. Hmm. Okay. And that 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 does not include anything in Asia. So, yeah, in a week or two, it could explode. You know, like I said, it might not ever get a China release because China is very picky about the number of movies they, you know, non-Chinese movies they accept. And so this one might not ever end up there. But yeah, just out of pure mathematics, 65 countries, 66 countries, I mean, to 18. It's going to be fine. You know what I mean? If they yeah. were expecting, yeah. if they wanted this to make half, like half a billion to a billion dollars, they would have released it in more countries right away. You know, I mean, it's plain and simple. They would have pushed for it to end up in China because Fate of the Furious alone made 393 million in China. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to expect it. You, you can't break a billion without China unless you're Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is the one thing they can <laughs> <Yep>. do it. <laughs> Pretty much. And that's also because it made 900 fucking million in the United States. So, of course, it's going to break a billion worldwide. We did all the work, you Man, know. Insane. Insanity. And that is uh, Force Awakens, if anybody wants to know. Um, but with this one, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. They, they know what they're doing. I think it made a little less than they were originally planning, but they're not planning on it to be hit the numbers these other movies make. Because like I said, it's not in China. It's not in anywhere in Asia yet. It's not in Russia. It's not in Japan. It's in none of those places. It's, it's, I didn't even see it in Germany or France. You know, uh, I didn't see it in Brazil. I only saw it in, I think, Colombia. And I think Argentina were the only two countries I saw in South America. I didn't see any numbers on it for Mexico or Canada. It it's going to it's going to slowly release in some other places. It will be fine. Tyrese, you can suck it just like Zach. (laughs) Well, and actually, then for it to have such a limited overseas releases and to get that 120 million, that's kind of impressive. I mean, that's pretty good considering the, the limited release. In other countries, so actually, that's that's kind of impressive. It what averaged a little under ten million in every other country that it came out in. That's damn good because a lot of people don't think that that's good. But I mean, there are countries that like even for Avatar, you know, made like two million in a country, you know. So I mean, it's not crazy, you know. But for it to make, like I said, a little under you know ten million in each country average that's that's damn good that's a good average you know that means that they're making you know they're they're like i said they're getting roughly what they expected on this if they wanted more or thought or anything like that they would have had a different release schedule and they would have had it be more places at once you know so yeah i don't like when tyrese is wanting to come at the rock and all this other stuff about that it's not him the studio the distributor it's in a lot less places it's doing good it'll be fine so yeah I, I think this is exactly like all both of them should be, you know, you know, good with where it's at. Like whenever, if you know, anybody wants to call it The Rock or Jason Statham or anybody else at this movie, it's where it should be. So that's fine. On that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Check us out on the Internet, www.simulslayers.com. It is a brand new redesigned website. Not everything has moved over. I don't have the merch and all this other stuff yet on the new website, but it is 
more podcast centric. So if you want to listen to episodes or just filter them by host and stuff like that, you can. So if you want to go on there and listen to just the episodes I'm on to listen to just exactly how many times I have maybe liked a movie, you could do that and then call me out on it and all this other stuff. You could break down the percentages of everything like we kind of just did with the box offices uh, comparisons with this. You could do that. You could say, Sterling, you've been on, you know, this many episodes of the podcast and you've only liked this many of the movies and then hit me with numbers and stuff like that, like which is what I do to people all the time. So you could do that right back at me. And what am I going to do? Probably just do some more maths and throw it back in your face. Yeah. Talking to you, Zach. Um, <laughs> check us out on Facebook, which is Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. Like I have been saying multiple times, and I promise it will happen, guys. Check us out on Snapchat, which I promise you with the next episode when we record, there will be some Snapchattiness with it. So keep your eyes out on that. We'll put the little Snapchat ghosty follow us thing. I don't know what it means or any of that or what it's actually called. It's the ghosty folly thing. So when you see that, make sure you follow us on Snapchat so you'll get some video stuff from me when it comes to recordings and things like that. We got a lot of fun episodes coming your way. We're going to release some uh, schedules uh, for you guys on that. You know, at some point, me, me and Justin have talked about it, we will be doing an episode on the intricacies of box office numbers. I know it sounds incredibly boring, but it is also incredibly fascinating, guys. It's not, you don't have to do any math for it. I will be doing all the math. So all you got to do is sit there and listen, because we're just going to break down the misconceptions with some of that stuff. Because I know you always hear about that. Like, why are certain movies getting sequels and certain ones not when you like look at stuff like that? We're going to tell you what box office and how it rolls into things. It'll be super fascinating. And you more or less got a snippet of how uh, some of it works uh, just a little bit ago. But we'll, we, we, we'd be doing that with a big, big franchises. We're talking, there is a spreadsheet. I'm not going to lie, guys. There's a spreadsheet on my computer right now that breaks down adjusted for inflation, not adjusted for inflation worldwide and domestic for every MCU movie and Star Wars movie. And then also within that breaks it down to a per movie average where you would actually find out who is the box office king, Star Wars or the MCU. We are waiting a little bit on that because we do want to get this next, you know, Rise of the Skywalkers. We want its numbers in there, you know, to make this a truly, you know, breakdown of essentially what we would do, what the first three phases of the MCU versus the first three trilogies of Star Wars in this gigantic breakdown. And it's fascinating as fuck fascinating so like i said just want to give you that heads up because we did a little tidbit of it for you now and it just makes me excited because i get to do spreadsheets and math and that's just always some fun shit so thank you guys for listening check out all this other shit we will have some more stuff coming your way check out some of the blogs which are just kind of some stuff we moved over from the web uh the the other website to this that heather did which is written reviews of the uh rebel without a crew movies and we'll she'll definitely have some more coming your way when it comes to some written stuff like that, you know, maybe me and Justin will dust off the old keyboards. We'll type, you know, a few words for you guys too. Who knows? It's 2019. Crazy shit can happen. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, as always, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I was really hoping you would do like the little Rowan Reigns, The Rock, Samoan yell. Mm-hmm.